So this uh, last week, my, my mom uh, has been in the hospital and working some things out. And so she was lucky enough uh, to leave uh, Saturday and go to rehab. So she went to Mary and Joy the next couple of weeks. Mainly just get her strength back and so she can go home and uh, be at peace there uh, with my dad. And, and so I, and I called her uh, yesterday. And I said, you know, I'm going to come see you uh, today, Sunday, um, after, after Mass, after this Mass. I'm going to go see her and drive over there. And, and this is what she said to me. She said, um, you're not the one I want to see. <laughs> I was like, what? I can't believe you just said that. And, uh, but you know, she just kind of let it hang there. And, who does she want to see? And I think, well, my brothers, one of my brothers, one of my sisters. Uh, you know, that can't possibly be true. And, um, so I thought about it, and he said, ah, she, I, am, I am not the one she wants to see. Who does she want to see? She wants me to bring her communion. That was her way of saying that. She wants to see Jesus, all right? So in that beautiful little statement, she communicated to me that, the number one thing for her is, is the Lord. She wants, she wants to see Jesus. So I'm going to bring her communion today. And, and a donut. <laughs> uh, now, uh, let's think about that. Number one is Jesus. And we, 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 we can say that that's true in our life. Uh, but maybe it's not. Uh, maybe we, we live in a, a culture where we've kind of developed a, a, a heightened sense of our self-regard of ourselves and what we want. If you look at, you know, the, the crumbling of our culture, what's the root of that? I think it could be argued that the root of the crumbling of our culture is based in people not embracing their vocations to do what the Lord wants and not what we want. Now, I was listening to something Father uh, Bishop Barron said recently about um, ancient cultures and rites of passage for men. And he said, you know, there's a lot of studies in the done of some of these uh, aboriginal cultures and desert nomad peoples and people live in the jungles. And uh, even in our own country up until maybe a couple generations ago, you know, there was always a rite of passage for a young man to leave adolescence and go into adulthood. And every, everybody has to do that, men and women. Um, but a particular thing happens when the guys don't do it. Right? When the guys get stuck in adolescence. And the consequences are, are far-reaching. And so he was, you know, he was saying, what was it about our previous, what, older cultures that took a young man uh, who was a boy and put him through a ritual that identified him as a man who took responsibility for himself and his family and his community? He, he, he described uh, one of the one of the rituals of some jungle group 
And what they did is that they would go into the, into the house or the hut of, of the boy, the adolescent, when it was time for him to let that go. And they, they, would, they would jump on him and beat him uh, and, and scar him in some way, like break a tooth out or cut him in some way. So there, there would be a constant physical reminder to him that I'm no longer a boy and a man, so maybe it was a lost tooth or a scar. But after that, they would drag him out of the house and take him out into the deepest part of the wilderness, far away from the camp, and leave him there. Now they would watch him, maybe leave somebody behind who from a distance, unbeknownst to the boy, would watch him. But it was up to him to get home. And it was up to him to feed himself. And it was up to him to survive. It was up to him to fight off the wild animals. He had to do it himself. Because he was no longer a boy, he was a man. And he had to prove that to the culture, to the society that he lived with, uh, to his family, to be worthy of that which was required of the men in that village. Interesting, huh? And so then he would come, he would find his way back after many days, probably just beaten and bedraggled, but he would make it home. And then there would be this huge ritual or ceremony around him becoming a man and the, in the village embracing him no longer as a boy, but as a man who did his job and knew how to do his job, and who embraced the responsibilities that were brought with that. The studies show that there are five things that happened to the consciousness of this new man, that he, that he, had, he had come to realize about himself. Things that are particular to adolescents, but not particular to men. This is what you have to do. Uh, you have to realize uh, that life is hard. Life is hard. Now, our, our culture today, what do we teach young people? It's all about you. And any kind of suffering, we'll, we'll take care. We'll make sure you have a safe place, a safe space, because we never want you to feel uncomfortable. That's baloney. Life is hard. And we don't do our young people any service by teaching them that it's anything other than that. It's hard, and they need to learn that. Otherwise, they're no use to anybody. So life is hard. And then the second thing is, you're not that important. Right? The world doesn't revolve around you. Is it, is it young kids, in their minds, the world does revolve around them, doesn't it? But they've got to let that go at some point. Otherwise, they're no use to anybody. How can you be a good father or a good mother if you think the world revolves around you? You're never going to be a good parent. I mean, my, my gosh. It's like one of the parent 101 is, I, I got, my life is no longer my own. So, life is hard. Uh, I'm not that important. And, and, and the third one, is that you're not in control anymore. Yeah. Young people, they like to control their environment. They like to keep suffering away. They like to have what they have. They want their social media. They want this, that, and the other thing. But you're not in control when you get to be an adult. 
those people that have been entrusted to you, your vocation is what controls you. And what happens, the destruction of our culture is based in people no longer moving away from their own sense of safety and control and comfort to embrace their vocations. And when people don't do what the Lord calls them to do, the world falls apart. You're no longer in control when you embrace your vocation. Now, the fourth thing uh, would be this. You're going to die. You're, you are going to die. Young people, do they think about that? It's the furthest thing from their mind. As you get older, yeah. Like every day you look in the mirror, it's like, oh, I'm going to die. There's another wrinkle. There's more gray hair. There's the more loose skin, whatever it is. That, you know, there's hair growing in places I never thought it would grow before. My knees creak. I'm going to die. Praise God. I'm one more step closer to heaven, one would hope. Embrace it. But we're going to die. And then, and then finally, the last one is they realize, as we must, that our lives don't belong to us. They belong to Christ. What do you think Paul's talking about in the reading when he says... Brothers and sisters, none of us lives for oneself. No one dies for oneself. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. This is the medicine for our culture. And this is the kick in the pants that so many of our young people and our young men need. They and I, I talk to young women, usually in their 30s, who are starting to panic because they can't find a good man who shares their values. I say, well, what's, what are they, what's the problem? You know, they meet at my Catholic match or somebody tries to set them up and they say, well, all he wants to do is play video games. Uh, he doesn't want to have any kids. He won't go to mass with me. He certainly won't pray with me. And he, and he, all he wants to do, he wants to, to shack up. He wants to live with me before we get married. That's, he's like, they're, he's, a, he's a grown child. Why would I marry him? That's what they say. I would certainly never say that about anybody. And I know when I'm talking to you, I'm, not, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys all get this. But we all know people that we can help, huh? And we can remind them of how important it is that they embrace their vocation, that Christ is alive in us. Christ is alive in us. You see, what, what, like even in the, in, the, in, the, in the gospel where Jesus says, how many times you got to forgive somebody? Not just seven times, which is the number of perfection, but 70 times seven times, which in other words is infinitely. Infinitely. You have to be perfect like your Heavenly Father is perfect. What is that? That perfection is love. And love has its expression in willing the good of the other. And its manifestation is mercy, hesed, God's faithfulness. And how do we show that? By what he has shown us 
What shall I return to the Lord for all that he's given to me? I'll turn around and do it for somebody else. I'll do my job. I'll grow up. I'll live out my vocation. I'll let Christ grow in me. And I'll realize that life is hard, that I'm not important, that I'm not in control, that I'm going to die. And my life doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Christ. And when I allow Christ to live in me, as Paul says, then my response is to go into the world and to be Christ, to live out my vocation in my family, with my friends, at work, to embrace this rite of passage from adolescence and self-regard to the fullness of manhood, womanhood, adulthood, and the life of Christ alive in me. And what is that right there every single day? Got a problem with the culture? You know what? It's because nobody wants that. Nobody wants to say that this is hard, Father, what you're asking. Nobody wants to say, uh, I'm not important, so much so that I said, I do not deem equality as God something to be grasped at. Rather, I empty myself and take the form of a slave. I'm not important. It's the Father's will. And that uh, I'm not in control. I am going to die. And it's never been about me. It's always, always, always been what the Lord calls us to do. To build his church, to save souls, and to raise up a family, kids, worthy to be the next generation of the church. So, that's a tall order. Amen? What did my mom tell me? Danny, you're not the one I want to see. I want to see Jesus in you.